I'm comfy, yeah, I'm good to go. The 10 seconds is obviously not for like <laughs> just to keep the makes me keep an eye on time. Okay. Right, good to go? Good to go. Hello and welcome to another episode of the CrossFit Harrow podcast, episode number 73. Today we have Matt Gompels. Matt, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. First question, as always, goes out to everyone, is why CrossFit Harrow? Oh, why CrossFit Harrow? Be, um, ni- be nice, be nice. Be nice. Yeah, it's a weird one, actually. So, um, I have always played team sports Okay. Um, my whole life. That's always what I've done for exercise. Bit of football, a lot of rugby. Um, did that all the way through uni. Uh, and then moved to working in schools and just found that suddenly team sports just weren't compatible with my life anymore I didn't have the time to train at the sort of prescriptive times um, that I needed to train I also didn't have just didn't have time on the weekends um, and I sort of juggled trying to find what the right thing was for me to do what the right sort of sporting environment was I wanted something that was flexible enough around the way that I worked um, but also something that probably captured some of the the sort of team building and sort of camaraderie that team sports had always held for me something that motivated me to get up in the morning and exercise something that pushed me through difficult spots when I was sort of fatigued or when it was the middle of winter I didn't really want to get up um, and so um, CrossFit was was seemed like a good um, seemed like a good a good fit basically um, didn't really know much about it um, and then my neighbor came down for a series of classes um, uh, like a sort of on-ramp class didn't end up working out for him actually. He didn't really have the time to, to stick with it. Um, I'm not sure if I know who your neighbour was. Oh, uh, a guy called Dave. Um, Dave Morgan. Um, yeah. Came down for a full yes. set, said, I, I found Dave. this really good gym. Um, uh, we were living next door to each other at the time. Or we'd, we'd be doing what a small world? I never knew that. Yeah, well. He went, he drove, he went to Belgium, I think he went to Belgium just, after, just before we went into lockdown for a holiday. And then came yeah. back and yeah. I yeah, so we were both, I mean, we lived, it was a, it was a funny one actually, because we'd lived next door to each other for the best part of four years okay. and um, just both were sort of n- never really around that much outside of, outside of work really. So, um, so he, um, and then obviously the lockdown hit, the first lockdown yeah. hit, and then you weren't allowed to leave your house and we shared, you know, gardens sort of backed on shared space um and so spent a lot of time hanging out there exercising there and then he was looking for for a gym came down here um, yeah. um didn't end up fitting i don't think with his time uh, time frame um it's and, amazing um, how fitness brings people together yeah um it, that's that's one thing that i really really like about not necessarily just i mean i think crossfit amplifies that but just fitness in general um does that um so you said uh team sports um, so sports always been a big part of your life and childhood and adulthood and stuff. Um, what? So you, you mentioned rugby and football. Um, these were just recreational, uh, just for you to enjoy. Was it competitive? How, how did that turn out? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought I was pretty competitive. I don't think <laughs> I don't think anyone else would have thought I was <laughs> playing that particularly competitive standard. To be honest, it was like you know, I'm one of I'm one of five, so I'm the eldest of five. So my mum had four boys. Wow. Uh, and my sister played as well. What didn't didn't play rugby actually? She she swam. But um, so for her, it started off just being a way of what the hell am I going to do with all these kids on the weekend? Let's get them all out of the house um, and and tire them out. So we, me and my brothers, played 
played a lot of rugby, rugby particularly, football when we were younger and then rugby when we were sort of secondary school onwards. Yeah, I think um, people, boys tend to be either football or rugby. They, they might do like a bit of both for a little while, but then they choose what one they prefer. Yeah, I, I think so. I always wish I chose football now. It's a much easier sport to play when, <laughs> you, when you're a bit knackered. But um, So yeah, it wasn't... I mean, my brother played professionally, so I, I, I'd sort of... Through, Is this rugby or football? He played rugby professionally. So through him, I, probably one of the reasons I ended up in, in CrossFit maybe was I'd seen him do a lot of things, a lot of Olympic lifting, a lot of gymnastics, um, 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 through the sort of various training he had. Um, he was exposed relevant, to a lot of that. Yeah. Very relevant, yeah. Um, and, and so I sort of had an inkling of what I was getting myself into. I don't think I would have found it as easy to come down if I hadn't had an inkling. I'd train with him a lot, gone to the gym with him a lot. But my, my form obviously wasn't anywhere near where it needed to be. Um, but but I thought I felt confident to give that sort of thing a go. I'd sort of seen it before. How did you find the transition from like doing a lot of team sports to then obviously you are in a group environment, but you're working a lot individually. How how, how did you was that something that you found easy? Was that something that you struggled with? I think it's just a map. The the change in focus is probably just. I was probably always in in in, in a team sport. You're always moving, or, or I was always moving. So you, you, I was always satisfied with sort of seventy or eighty percent there of, of, of a movement or a skill because be fitness was functional right yeah, and there were always others and you're always moving on to the next thing um and i think it took me a while to realize actually i wasn't really going to make as many improvements unless i was a little bit less satisfied with with um the picture sort of with the picture as a whole and, and got a bit more into the individual movements and, and parts and that was quite a transition and i still find that difficult you know things like warm-ups i really struggle with uh warm-ups now are really important to making sure i can actually do the yeah, exercise yeah. as well whereas they, they 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 i still struggle with that feeling in the team sports where they they always felt especially when i was playing them when i was younger that they were a bit of a prelude to getting onto the main thing so so i think that the focus on like my individual process and 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 actually about like being fastidious about small things is something that's taken me was quite time. difficult to transition to mm -hmm. yeah did you say that you you'd been a member of gyms in the past yeah okay and that obviously uh, you found, well, I, I would assume that but do, by doing, choosing obviously CrossFit the method, that that was no longer serving a purpose or not as enjoyable. I think, I think it's... Because it could be a bit of both. Yeah. Um, for some people, they tend to, in my experience, they tend to either run out of options, they, they get bored of their training, or it just no longer serves their purpose. Well, I think it's probably a bit of both. I think I didn't have a purpose when I was going to gyms and I think I hadn't really realised that for quite a while so my gym training when I'd been doing team sports was always functional it was always to aid performance in X and even if that was just a rough goal when I was going with mates and we were really just going off our sort of shared wisdom which yeah. there wasn't very much of to be honest um, um, then, then at least there was a function to training I trained with people for a purpose to get better at you know to get faster to get stronger um, and so there was a purpose to it and then I think I had this sort of aimless period when I stopped playing team sports where I would go to the gym mm. but I wasn't really going to the gym for a specific purpose and then so I think talking about it from the other side then motivationally I, I was just quite bad you know I didn't really know I was going because I knew I had to go because I had to exercise because I've always exercised yeah. but I didn't really know why I was going I wasn't doing it for a reason and people often find that I think that's how it often turns out to people is they, they, they don't realise or understand why they're going it turns into a bit of a chore and that, that's also the stop the, they stop enjoying because they're like oh well I've always done fitness like you said so I'm always going to have to go kind of thing um, but it's very interesting to see how people make that transition from uh, training in that environment to recognising what they want from training to be like, right, now I want to go and get that. Um, 
Career-wise? <laughs> Education? Yeah. Always wanted to do it? No. Okay. Thought I'd never do it. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, that's an interesting one. I sort of fell into it, really. Um, everyone says they fall, so everyone says they fall into their job. It's very interesting. Um, the the view of falling at there must have been because this is your. I think out of the podcast, the, the amount that we've done, I think quite a high number have said I've fallen into it. What does that mean? Yeah, I'm trying to think. Well, I mean, I did it. I just sort. Of, so I'm a, I'm a teacher, I teach history and, and religious studies, or philosophy mainly. Um, and uh, Yeah, it's fun, I love it. <laughs> Which is funny when I fall into it, it's probably the wrong word. I've probably never really left education for a particularly long time. I sort of finished my degree. I did a few different jobs in the year. I finished my degree, I worked as a, in a pub, which I loved actually worked as a GP receptionist, which I didn't love as much. And that's, then I had- no, That's quite a hard job. That's a tough job. I got some stories about that. That's a, yeah. tough, that's a tough job. They, they uh, sometimes I feel like, I mean, not to take any credit away from their job role, but I sometimes think that they just are very straight cut, no more, like they won't go past, in my experience anyway, they won't go past any more than they need to do. Can I get an appointment? No. Okay. Yeah. When can I get an appointment? Not next week, not this week, next week. Okay, so when? When are you free? Yeah, I think I think my experience of that is just looking at looking at a, a basically a broken computer system, and probably relatively a broken appointment system as well. Just an endless number of people who wanted an appointment, and you just looking at three weeks of there being nothing, and then squeezing someone in for twenty minutes in three weeks' time. It was not. Yeah, they do. Was not they, a fun they job. They get the credit they deserve, though. But they must get some abuse, I would imagine. Not not like yeah. I mean like verbal like people frustration. And, just getting really fucking annoyed that they can't get an appointment, basically. Yeah, that was a tough job. I mean, some of the things that, you know, and, and, and also people coming in with things that they really need right now. Mm. Uh, um, that was a tough job. I did that for a few months, copped, copped a fair amount of abuse. Um, probably more abuse doing that than I would in a classroom. Uh, mm. <laughs> um, and, then I, and then I did a job as a, as a sort of um, supply teacher, sort of cover supervisor. Okay. So, that, so going into classes where teachers were off sick and just, you know, dealing with the cover work and that was a pretty fun introduction to teaching you just dealt with whatever was that something that you wanted that, was that something you applied for you saw an opportunity you thought oh, I'm going to give this a go yeah to be honest it had a good rate of hourly pay and it was it was you know it was in a it was in a school that I'd, I'd sort of been to as a kid and I saw the job come up and someone nudged me in the right direction I thought yeah I'll do that so I did that for for six months um, I went back to university to do a master's degree um, and what was your master's in? Uh, in sociology, so sociology of religion. Um, um, so obviously that didn't prepare me perfectly for the job market uh, <laughs> necessarily. And then, um, but it was it was amazing. And I thought oh, I'm all set to go and do a PhD. Um, I'd love to do that, um, but didn't didn't have the the funding in place and and, and the proposals in place that I needed. So um, jumped into essentially a graduate teacher program. Thought oh, I'll do this for a year, maybe two. Uh, and then, um, and then maybe I'll go back. I'll go back and do that PhD, and then I've never left. So oh, wow. I've been teaching ever since. So, you know, you could say I've, maybe I've never really left education. So maybe I didn't really fall into it. Maybe I just didn't fall out of it. But yeah, um, yeah. So um, what, what what was the um, like? Why sociology? Why, why was that something that you wanted to study? Well, I think I think um, just just always been really interested in the ways. I mean, it was a bit of sociology and a bit of anthropology, to be fair, but it just 
really interested in the ways that sort of peoples and societies interact, especially in relation to religion. So that was something that I'd done some work in before my undergraduate degree and, and, and sort of looking at, the, you know, what motivates people, why they do particular things, why people you know, come together in shared spaces and share certain identities and how those are created and sustained over, over periods of time. It's just, I just always found those questions really interesting. Um, and I just, can, can I suppose... Can No, I can't answer anything. <laughs> but I can ask some really good questions uh, some of the time. Um, uh, but, but I think, um, and I think I just never found a point with those questions where I wanted to stop. I wanted to keep asking more and, and, um, and I could probably, if we had more time, I could probably, probably give some answers. Um, and I think, you know, if not to, you know, one thing I would say, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of similarities between the ways people bind together in a sort of religious space and the way people bind together in the sort of, in a workout space. There's that sort of, that there's something belief system yeah well there, well there's just something incredibly powerful about that shared experience and the sort of the sort of the, well, the pain and the sort of catharsis that comes from it to a certain degree uh, and also the sort of shared elation when that experience you know when you successfully complete that experience right so i think that's that's what always interests me about about the sociology you know what's the social function of of particular you know beliefs that people have you know what what brings people together what keeps them together why what keeps them coming back right and i think um there'd be a great sociology to be done on on a bit of sociology to be done on crossfit uh, brilliant I mean, i'm sure someone's already done it but there'd be some brilliant work to be done on that people say that crossfit is a cult it is definitely not a cult but it's a i think it's a very it's an environment that brings people together through a shared passion of fitness is probably the best explanation I can give. And like you said, the feelings that people experience, they want to share. And, you know, after a workout, like most of the time out of a workout, you feel fucking pretty good. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, is that what, I mean, maybe what someone has, I'm not sure. Um, maybe, maybe I'll get, maybe I'll, maybe I'll do it eventually. Yeah, why don't, yeah, that's, a, that's, that's something okay. for you two. Um, you've got down uh, the teaching with the range and the range of charitable, charitable initiatives. What's what's what are those? What do you do? Yeah, so um, so what? Well, uh, one of the things I do through my school is we run a um, we run a, well we run a range of charitable charitable initiatives. But one of the ones that I've been working on more recently, which which might be interesting to talk about, is 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 providing tutoring. Um, uh, but specifically providing tutoring for children in care. So um, this was something that emerged out of the out of the first and um, the first lockdown actually that when schools moved online there were lots of children in in the care system who didn't have particularly good access to devices um and also and also um uh weren't necessarily best placed to engage in all class learning because part of being a care experienced young person is that you've probably had quite a lot of educational disruption um so one of the initiatives that um i've been working on more recently is sort of alongside uh teaching has been to we've been setting up a program of online tutoring um uh, to provide sort of one-to-one academic support for children in care. Um, this is a bit of a plug, obviously, um, partly because we've got a lot. Of, we've got a lot of teachers in the gym, so if yeah, anyone, you know, yeah. if that's something that anyone would be interested uh, interested in 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 working on, um, then that would be then, then seek me out. Um, how do how um, do children who need it? How do the parents and how do they find that? Yeah, that's a great question. So it, it's it's basically it runs through um, what's called the virtual school network. So virtual school networks are, are basically organisation um, 
uh, educational organisations within each local authority. So we work with Harrow, Barnet, Ealing and Brent. Okay. Uh, and they provide uh, young people who need sort of educational support. Um, they put them on a, on a sort of waiting list and we pair teachers across the full age range. So um, uh, key stage one up to up to 18, so about seven up to 18. Do, do you we find then the pair the teachers with, with them to, to work with them. Do, do you find the numbers are um, bigger in certain boroughs? Um, sadly, to be honest, what we find is that there are, there are a really large number of, of, of young people in each borough, and especially more than, more than we currently have capacity to work with, probably. Um, and that's especially because uh, um, children who are in, in, in sort of in the care of a local authority often move around quite a lot between care placements, and some of them might even move quite out far of, afield. Out out, yeah, so they're. they're, they're Responsibility for their education might sit with, say, Harrow, because Harrow has, uh, has, has, you know, held that responsibility for a period of time. But they might move to, say, uh, you know, as far away as Bristol or, 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 or further afield. So that's been quite a cool thing about working online. Um, we've essentially created a network of teachers um, who can do that remotely. So we're supporting children in various different parts of the, of the, of so, the country. So you get teachers on board. They are then paired up with. Um, Duties. Hmm. Do, does, does this fund some of their like um, devices or technology that they may not have access to, or do they then go to a resource centre or something like that? Either or, yeah. So there's so there's there's provision to make sure that the, those young people have the devices that they need, uh, but then also this is mainly about extra academic support, so targeted one-to-one academic support outside of their of their schooling because often you know if you've moved around that much in, in your education what you probably have is quite big gaps you move from a school that covered this topic first and then you're in this school that d- d- does it last or, or the vice versa so you maybe miss it or twice yeah you do it twice but you don't do something else right so um so um so this is designed to sort of help those young people with 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 gaps in their with their um education and yeah we we sort of uh, bring the teachers and the sc- we tend to work with schools actually so um, we tend to take a few teachers from a school. We, we make sure the teachers in the schools have the necessary checks. We train them in the technology and in, in working with the young young people. And then they um, and then they provide some really amazing academic support. Um, wow. So that yeah, that's that's what's been keeping me busy in the lockdowns basically. Wow. Um, it's, it's, I know you said that you obviously go for a range of age groups, but is there like a particular age bracket that is like you, you have the, 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 those numbers are high because they need that support? Yeah, I mean. There's a lot of there's a lot of need through the full age range. I think I think often where it's most impactful is in primary school. You know, yeah. even in even at, uh, um, even by leaving primary school, you've got a lot of young people um, um, who are sort of children looked after who might be a year or two behind their peer group in terms of reading age, and those um, gaps basically compound as, as 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 young people get older. Right, you know, the more if you're missing some substantive concepts in your education at the age of ten then you're not going to, you know, that just gets worse and worse. Not always, but often it can just, you know, compound as you go up through the age range. So um, we're trying to do more this year to focus on on the sort of primary age group to work, to work with um, more children at a sort of primary phase to help them um, catch up, basically, yeah. and, and give those young people the start in life that they, um, that they so. deserve. Yeah. I mean, you said that it came through the, the lockdown. Was this something that came... 
um, organically through the lockdown. Like it was a, it was kind of like a, a red flag that people noticed that you know there are there aren't enough people getting this support. Or was it something that teachers came together and said, "Oh, actually, why don't we do this to help support more?" Yeah, it's something we, we, we've been running. We've running a couple of programs on the school site where where young people would come and have a sort of homework club where they do an hour of homework right. and they go do an hour of of fitness or an hour of pottery or some sort of enrichment um, on a Thursday afternoon. Um, and it was really just talking to the young people who were working on those programs and and hearing them, you know, talk about the. The fact that either they, they they didn't have the support or the or the or the technology they needed to access learning, or that they were particularly struggling to access learning online, where some of their peers might not, um, and that you know that was causing them to slip behind in in, in their learning, um, and it, and it started off as a spontaneous response in that in that way, um, because because we had teachers who were keen to help, who had time, and uh, we had young people who needed help. Um, but what we've since realised is that there's no reason we shouldn't be doing this all the time with more and more teachers in the sort of Harrow, Barnet, Ealing sort of area, uh, Brent area. Um, because to, to their wheelhouse, the kids' wheelhouse. Really yeah, really yeah, absolutely. And to give them, you know, a, a, just a bit more support, a bit of an extra push and, and, and to have someone there who basically an hour a week is just interested in them and what they've learned and how they've done and, and in pushing them on. Um, um, and you know we're we're sort of growing that and supplementing that as well with sort of other forms of enrichment, um, some sport, some um, uh, sort of music, and and um, and sort of other other sorts of enrichment, basically. Uh, but fundamentally, just you know, actually, um, and I, I think it's topical, right? It's become topical as well um, to talk about this idea of leveling up. Um, in, in, yeah, 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 in practice or in reality, but you know, um, you know, the, the idea that there are people that have been sort of left behind has become a particularly apparent since COVID, um, and I think more and more people are, you know, are, are realizing actually the disparities that that we probably haven't seen in the past as we go about our really busy day-to-day lives. Well, I was actually going to ask you that as a teacher, your, your biggest barrier to learning, but that sounds like that could be one of them, as in kids not having the opportunity to, they're falling behind. Is that that would be one of the barriers to uh, learning or getting grades or whatever it might be? Do you find that that's very common? Yeah, I mean, I, I work in a school environment that's 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 relatively privileged, um, relatively privileged. Yeah, very privileged in, in, in that sense. Um, and I think, you know, there's a lot about there's a lot about barriers to learning that are built into people's context their their home environment their own personal context where they've come from what they've had to work through to access education and i don't think we spend enough time thinking about what people have had to work through to to, to access education where's their start point you know what are they what are they what are they um and i think so i think that's probably what the um in terms of the barriers to learning the, the sort of serious barriers to learning um um that we're talking about here then yeah those are those are um you know um also just just access to learning how much time have you actually spent learning you know how much time have you spent in the classroom how much of that time has been has been uninterrupted you know we, we um and i think that's one of the obvious ones we've seen in covid right where we've seen massive massive educational disruption um disruption to sort of all fields of our life it's how actually, much of an impact do you think that's going to have not necessarily where yeah where yeah how much of an impact I mean, I mean, that's, I mean, it's going to be, re- the, the big thing I would say is that we just probably won't know for a while, actually, 
which is not really a cop-out, but it's actually very, it's actually very difficult initially to know how much of an impact it's had. Um, and, and the big problem with it as well, I think, is it's going to be very patchy, right? Some, it will have had, it's had virtually no impact on some kids, and it's had a huge impact on others. Um, and sadly, it looks already like it's had, it's had a disproportionately large impact on the disadvantaged or those who've already had an impact on their education and a relatively benign impact on those who've, who are already making good educational progress. Um, but but it, will definitely have a, it, it will definitely have a significant impact and, and it's, going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how we, how we account for that going forward, I think. And as a teacher, obviously, you know, generally you get quite a good time off. What do you do in your time off? How do you... So I would imagine I've done a teaching one myself and it is, it is quite difficult. Um, it can be. Um, so what do you do to take your mind off teaching and off lesson planning and off reports and students and their learning and their development? What do you do? Well, I have a line and I come to CrossFit later in the day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, um... Well, one, one thing I do is all the stuff I would like to do more that I don't have time for. So I think um, I try and eat better, I try and meal plan better, I try and try new things to, um, to, to um, bring into my diet or try new foods. Um, I used to travel a lot, uh, haven't been able to do that. Um, where, where are the places that you visited? Um, where have I been in the last couple of years? Um, one of the one of the things I've tried to do with with teaching holidays, and I think this is a, is a pretty unique privilege, is I've tried to go to one place for a lot longer, okay. and I've tried to go where I know someone or I've met someone. So, um, one of the best things I, I did was I had a friend who was starting. Um, it was a, a stroke of luck actually. He got fired from his job, um, and uh, he start he was starting with a new company in a year's time, and uh, they had he's he's Nigerian, British Nigerian, and. and um, um, one of my best friends from, from school, he uh, um, then got a job with a company he was starting with in Nigeria. So he'd been living out there for six months, reconnecting with extended family, and uh, we went out to stay with him uh, for four weeks. Um, so, so Nigeria I did recently. Um, Canada, I had a friend similarly who uh, went, to do, well, he went to do a PhD in Canada, so I went to see, he was in Vancouver, so I went to see him in Canada for for three, four, four weeks. Um, and th- those are the two most recent ones I've done before the, before the pandemic hit. And just, just the idea of going somewhere for an extended period of time, living relatively cheaply with someone you know, yeah. and, and, and actually taking the time to do it properly rather than sort of rushing. I don't um, often meet people that have been to Nigeria. Um, to Canada, yes, but not, what, what's Nigeria, what was Nigeria like? Amazing, brilliant. Yeah. Um, really, 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 really interesting country. Very warm, very friendly. Very welcoming. We mainly stayed in um, in the in sort of um, near towns, cities near and around Lagos. So Lagos, Ibadan, Abekatar. Um But um, yeah, um, it was fantastic. Um, it, 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 it's somewhere I never would have been able to go. I, well, it wouldn't have necessarily been set up for tourism in in the same way. Uh, but as we were there, we sort of just seamlessly seamlessly jumped into what he was doing at the time. We went to. Uh, the wedding of some family friends. We um, saw a lot of the the nightlife. We saw. Is there a big nightlife there? Yeah, Lagos has a pretty a pretty pretty big nightlife. Um, 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 we saw some amazing um, music at a place called Felakuti Shrine. Um, 
shrine to Fadakuti um, um, uh, for a weekend, which was which was pretty epic. Um, yeah, sort of. It's it's pre-pandemic, so I'm tr- sort of trying to remember yeah, where. So, well, we're, it's we're a long time ago, isn't it? It's eighteen months, yeah, two years. Um, but yeah, I think that's. So I think teaching holiday. What do I do to switch off? It is. It, it just gives me the opportunity to do things in in a sort of in in a depth of time that yeah. that as opposed to weeks away. Yeah, weeks away, and and I think it takes the pressure off a little bit. I, mean, I know friends who go away and they say, "Well, I'm going to go here and I need to go somewhere where the weather's going to be good, and I know I'm going to get good food, and I know I get to do good things because I've got a week and that's it." Um, and it's that very rushed. Yeah, and school is intense, but there's a sort of um, the, the slowness, the ability to get into that slowness, to basically change rhythm in a, in a really substantive way, um, and to and to do things in depth, um, um, and not not feel like you're rushing is is really important to me, and it, and it is a lifestyle choice. Yeah, um, of course. And and what are the countries that you are wanting to go? What's on the list to go to? Oh, that's is it a long list? Well, it, it's really hard, isn't it? Because all of my all of the thinking at the moment is conditioned about where could you get to. Well, yeah, I guess um, so. But yeah. so I've sort of, I'm sort of trying to get out of that mindset and get more. Well, that's cha- I think that be more aspirational. Every, yeah, I mean that changes. Um, think now every three weeks, so you know you might want to go somewhere and then. Yeah. Can't go, but if if no barriers, no restrictions, no nothing, where top two or, or Australia top will be next. Yeah, I think Australia will be next. Got some really good friends um, who've who've just emigrated back to Australia. Uh, so Australia will be next, I think. Um, uh, it's going to take some saving, but uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I've, I've not next. been to Australia. It's on my one, it's on my list, but everyone I've ever spoke to that has been to Australia says absolutely amazing. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Yeah. I'm just going to change the time. We carry on. Got the questions about nutrition. We literally had about 20 seconds. Wow, was it, that was it. What it was? Yeah. So we just pick up where we left off. I can't remember how I was sitting. You you mentioned uh, that in your t- obviously being a teacher with that time about eating how you want to eat, healthy and everything else. Um, before we came on, obviously I, met, I said to you of how much weight you had lost, um, and that I think that started was it January started or. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I remember you. You we we ran that nutrition challenge, which we run now. Um, we continuously run, and you said to me, "I really need to do this," um, and you did. And uh, at the time, I think in that month, you, it was down about three to seven kilos. Was that right in, mm. that, in that thirty days? But you've continued that. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well. It, it was something I just really needed to, really needed to do. Um, I think I think the challenge. Well, there's a, there's a sort of there's a sort of challenge everyone goes through, isn't there? Where you do a lot, you know, especially doing something like a lot of team sport or a lot of sport, where you basically exercise as much as you want, you eat whatever you want, and, and it basically balances out. Uh, and then there's so so you think so you think yeah. or so I thought, and maybe that was a metabolism thing that I was just basically getting away with it. But then there was a sort of harsh reality of working life where I basically couldn't do that anymore. Um, and uh, you adopt naturally a sedentary lifestyle, yeah, without wanting to, yeah, through particular work things, events, everything else. Yeah, and I think for me it was you know my job wasn't even particularly sedentary. I was on my feet a lot of the time, a lot of most of the day, to be honest. But it was more just the fact that food was very functional, uh, and and um, 
it was starting to have an it was starting to have an impact probably not just on my training but also on the way that I worked um, uh, in terms of everything was 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 sort of grab and go let's you know eat and then go on to the next thing and um, um, and sort of felt a bit out of my control um, and I, I couldn't train as well I, I don't think really um, and I don't think the lockdowns really helped that either as much as I thought they would I thought you know the lockdowns would give you more control but actually it's the the, the patterns and that you and the routines you fall into with that work um, became harder for a lot of people it became double the work yeah so although you're at home and you've got that luxury of being able to cook let's say fresh food and stuff but you, you like your workload it, well anyway for, for me it definitely increased and everyone I spoke to it's increased yeah so it wasn't as easy as that and that really was a, I mean for me that really was a sedentary lifestyle right you yeah, take yeah. going out of a classroom full of kids and suddenly you were sat in front of a screen um, yeah. um, and you'd, you'd eat out of boredom so by the time January rolled around it sort of felt like a time I could make changes um, I had the time and the space and the control to make changes um, but I also just needed to do it um, yeah you've, you've what is it a total you said a stone is it now it's been it's a good stone yeah it's probably more actually um, I, I wish I, I wish I could have the well, I mean, obviously, I can't throw up a picture of what you're used to. I might, when James edits this, I might ask him to throw up a picture at this point of what, you, you know, the, the, the difference. Because it's, it's, it's very good for people to see the difference of where someone was to where they are now, but understand that what changes they've gone through. Because it's, it, and, and not necessarily like, you know, they've changed, uh, changed one meal or had a post-workout meal or had a protein shake, but actually like, the things that they've had to adopt within their lifestyle to have that progression. Yeah, I mean, um, I said this to Sue, she was that, that's good, I said, well, to be honest, in teaching, I probably have to keep my before and after muscle shots off the internet from, well, yeah, from, my, yeah, own, yeah, yeah, from yeah. my own dignity, but I, I can see it in the mirror, I can see it in my face, and I think, you know, it is, you know, I can see it in, I can see it in you know, more normal photos, and it, and it is, it's stark. It is amazing. Um, yeah, yeah. And I can't really believe, because it's hard to believe now that I was actually, I mean, you know, it's hard to believe now that I was carrying that around all the time. Yeah, and just through um, timings, we haven't obviously seen each other for a while. And yeah, when yeah, I yeah. saw you today, I was like, wow, that, that's, that's pretty, pretty intense weight loss. That's, that's massive. But the good thing is it's been over a duration of time, as in it's been consistent, not I'm going to do it for X amount of time, go back to it, stop, stop. Yeah, and it's been pretty fluid. And I think the, the, the nice thing about that for me is it, it's not... It, it was it was quite a difficult thing for me to get out of the mindset of really focusing on weight loss yeah which was what i was probably overly focused on and really it's about it, it's been about different things for me it's probably been about changing some fundamentals of how i eat and when i eat and why i eat well i'm um, glad i'm glad that you said that because yeah. that's what we obviously going through the challenge they're the things that we try to educate through as opposed to chasing that i have to hit a certain figure a certain number it's it's those reasons why why am I eating this? What am I eating? Um, and not focusing so much on the end result. So those habits, would that would you say that's right? Yeah. And going it, through it. Yeah. Yeah. How, I mean, yeah. Because what did you learn from it? Let's. Uh, without. Pl- I mean, you could, people could take this as a sales plug, but I want people to understand what you've changed and how you've now understood food to help it work for you. Yeah. I mean, I, probably a couple of things. I mean, the the the, the habit stuff is really important. So, so I think. Before I, I've, I've tried to lose weight before, and and chasing weight loss, you can get very, you can get where does very, it stop? yeah. Well, where does it stop? And actually, you know, 
what do, what routes do you take to get there and how drastic are they and then if they're unsustainable as routes to get there then you then you're going to pile the weight back on anyway because you're going to revert to what you're doing before as soon as you've done it um i think that the big thing for me that the thing i learned from it was was really about planning um yeah you did mention this before we yeah that. so so not about you know before what i probably do is maybe i just just skip breakfast crack into work eat a massive lunch you know work all through the afternoon to the evening have a massive dinner and actually then i sort of became a victim to what i had in the house you know how hungry i was and and just would just eat whatever was there and and and, and would become very functional to fuel myself for the next thing with with work or whatever um and actually planning thinking really intentionally about well, how i want to eat and what i want to eat over the course of the week and why and having then in what i wanted to eat and when i wanted to eat it and thinking about some of the principles that probably underpin that um, around and, and in some ways it was really about eating more not eating less um, yeah. sounds ridiculous yeah, doesn't it believe but, until they do it yeah I really struggled I was very skeptical about that mm. but actually it was about eating more in planned and conscious ways and then not snacking because I'm, I'm, I'm a really bad one for snacking well, is there anything, because um, obviously these, the things in, in that, you know, 30 day challenge was to teach you like the fundamentals and, and, and basics of learning how to eat properly. Was there anything that you had barriers with through, not necessarily just through that, but just in general, like what were your, you know, you said that planning has really helped you, but was it also, I mean, what other things popped up that you like, you really struggled with? Was there, was there anything in particular that you thought, I'm not sure? Um, well, there were things I knew I was going to struggle with, like I really like, I, 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 I Snacking is just like a huge pleasure, but not that like I'm talking, you know, eat the biggest bag of crisps you can possibly find over the course of doing a piece of work that would otherwise take like 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, that, that would be my hobby in that sense, especially in the lockdown when, you're, when it's just boring. Yeah, um, well, a lot of people eat for just purely because they are bored. Yeah, so I think regulating those things was, was super difficult, but actually there were, lo um, there were loads of ways that, that probably happened with that. I think like macronutrients, well, sort of, thinking about the quantities of things that I needed to eat. So like upping my protein and that being a way of actually feeling less hungry was quite an interesting one. Um, you know, um, I think I struggled probably with the amounts of, of fats that I needed to have in my diet as well. Um, um, probably thinking a bit more basically, oh, I need to avoid as much fat as possible, right? Um, so I think for me it was thinking, just, just even things like the composition of a plate had to change a little bit. Um, uh, and, and that was challenging in terms of actually looking at what I was going to buy in a shop it was quite yeah. a different experience well like even kind of the education education system with regards to like the eat well play um that is for me anyway that is so outdated of how people should you said about planning your putting your plate together it's very outdated on how um a plate should be uh, made i think there's like um bread i think bread cereal is encouraged i mean i'm not saying mm. bread's bad for you Good quantities of bread but cereal very sugary um tell you to fill half your plate with fruit half your plate with veg mm. half or well, well obviously quarters now sorry quarters with fruit quarters of veg quarter with uh bread cereal whatever it might be and then it'd be your fish chicken meat which i have to obviously disagree with because there are better ways to eat and that's something that was encouraged like I think that was made, I don't know, maybe like in the early 80s or early 90s, and that's still, uh, as far as I'm aware of, still being taught today on part of a balanced diet. 
I just think there's a, a, there's a massive gap as well, isn't there? I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of research in the space, and that you you know you go online, you're going to find 15 different ways to do it. Yeah, it's a lot of like received wisdom, and I, and the thing is, is people can do every single one of those 15 ways and still have the result that they want. Yeah. Out of those 15, which ones are going to give you longevity? Which ones will be the best ones for you? Possibly, yeah. possibly only two. Possibly only one. Um, but it's interesting to know, and like in the flesh, that you've gone from changing those habits to understanding that there was an issue, how to fix something, going through that day-to-day process, learning more about it, and actually now being able to implement that in your day-to-day. How easy is it now for you to implement? Yeah, pretty, I mean, yeah, pretty easy. I mean, I, I think it was, it was, I was quite nervous when that locked, when that second, whatever lockdown it was, the millionth lockdown, when that finished and I had to go back to a full school timetable and I thought, am I going to be able to sustain this? But actually, it's a lot easier than it was. And, and also, what I find as well is I don't always sustain it. I'm not massively consistent with it all the time, but I know, I know how to, manage manage and adjust for that and I know what I've I think there's a bit there's also a big thing in knowing what I've actually had right there's knowing what I've eaten even when I knowing what I've not been consistent with right yeah because I think people are underestimate how hard they've worked out and yeah. they overestimate uh, or the other way around they underestimate how much they've eaten and overestimate how many calories they burned or how they've worked yeah, out yeah. Yeah. Um, which is also another thing to, very, to be very as in it's very interesting but but there's also a philosophy thing here that not to, not to get too philosophical about but there's a sort of there's the known unknowns and the, there's the unknowns right I mean the unknown unknowns rather and like sometimes I think for me I didn't really know I wouldn't even have been conscious that I was eating badly or or, or, or eating well right and, and actually just having a consciousness of how you've been eating and, and how that fits into what you're going to eat in the rest of the day is I, actually I massively important more. the amount of people that I've met day to day and say that you know I eat healthy and I'm asking them to describe what they eat to me and I'm like do you really believe that that is healthy when they read as they're saying it they're like I realise that this isn't actually as healthy as I think it just goes down to the education thing of, yeah. like, and that's why we wanted to do it um, but one, one thing I do want to bring up is you know and obviously answer this honestly is did you find that there was a there was did you find that you had freedom to make choices that you wanted to make or, or, or where people in my eyes people associate with let's say diets or changing foods is very restrictive. Um, did you find, or have you found it's been very restrictive or do you find that you actually have freedom to manage things the way that you want to? Yeah, I, I feel pretty free to manage it how I want to, to be honest. Um, in, term, in terms of what I eat. Yeah. 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 I think people associate, oh, I've got to change the way I eat. It's got to be restricted. restrictive. I can only have one chip out of the whole bag. Or, <laughs> you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I, no, I, because there's because there's you know there's 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 just there's a sort of I mean for me there's a bit of a careful balance to be to be struck with it as well which is that I don't want to always be thinking about what I'm eating sometimes I want to go you know yeah 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 uh, out to a, and not, a restaurant not pick anything off the menu yeah, and not worry about it and and I think and I think for me that the important thing about that what 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 I hadn't really thought about about planning and control uh, and, and and planning in particular is that it makes all that so much easier because you don't end up basically making bad choices all the time 
well, not bad choices, but you basically get to balance how you eat across the whole week. So it's a lot, if anything, it makes that a lot easier and more enjoyable because you, I just would feel healthier, you know. Yeah. Um, and and, and that, was a, that was a sort of freedom that I hadn't really thought about, about the idea of actually that, that you kind of can eat what you want. Um, but but it, it's not about not eating what you, for me, it wasn't about not eating what I wanted to eat. It was about actually eating the way across a week in a way that was nice and healthy and sustainable and made me feel good, right? Yeah. So I was actually always eating what I wanted, but I was just making sure that if not in a meal, in a day or a, or a few days or a week or a fortnight, that the way I ate actually resembled something that was healthy and nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think actually having more knowledge in that sense gives you more freedom because you, you, you kind of, I, I definitely felt then like I had more control over what I was eating and, and more choice because I basically planned it. Yeah, well, um, you know the why, you know the how. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, okay, and then what's uh, what's the plans for you? What's your goals for the next uh, six to twelve months? What what did you want out of the world or life? Well, I was going to. I thought I'd start with. Yeah, I mean, I thought you were going to ask me about training first, but as oh, in we that can sense, go with training. Uh, I, I was trying to think goals. The rest of my life. Uh, to be honest, it, well, let, well, I can work down in terms of. I mean, probably in all of them, actually, I would just really. So in terms of training, I just like to train for a year uninterrupted. I'd like to really have a year of, of uninterrupted training. I, I sort of joined last, but this time last year, joined. So I've been a member for a year and I've had some really good blocks and I can sort of feel myself progressing and then had sort of sequential lockdowns that have sort of just taken the wind out of my sails a little bit. It's a very key word that um, you've said a few times have been as in like uninterrupted because I actually don't realize, I don't think people realize how hard it is to have a training cycle for 12 months uninterrupted mm. which is quite interesting that you brought that up because you said it about the education and stuff as well so that that's a very good goal to set yeah I'd like and, and I think probably that, that if I was working that up into my wider life as well I think there's a lot of things that it would be it would be nice to have a full yeah, it would, be, it would be nice to have a full year, educational year as well. Yeah. Uh, um, well, hopefully that will now happen from September um, for the next 12 months, right? Yeah, we, yeah. so hopefully a full, a full year in that sense, full year with um, various um, charitable projects as well. And I think, yeah, just to have a full, a full year's run at everything, a full tilt at that stuff would be, would be amazing. We can't really ask for much more than that, yeah. can we? Nice. Matt, we've run out of time for today. Um, thank you so much for your time. Very interesting to, to hear your story. Um, guys and girls, thank you, and we'll join you next week. Perfect. Cool. That was easy. Yeah, yeah. It sort of just happens, doesn't it? Yeah. It just becomes very fluid. It's like teaching.